Welcome back to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. This is episode 37, looking forward to the Roaring Twenties with L'Oreal's Ronnie Kelders. So welcome back. Um, It's only been a couple of days. Actually, the previous episode with Klaus was just put live today. So today is the 26th of March. And I just had a great conversation with Ronnie, who's been a friend the past few years. Uh, We first met when he was at Uber and he's now uh, just a couple of months into a new position in beauty tech within L'Oreal. And I think also it's another fascinating case if we consider this theme that we're looking at in Q1 uh, of thriving business. So before we get to that, just a very quick catch up on what we've been up to here in the lab in Barcelona. Uh, You know, a good start to the year. Again, you know, busy. uh, And I, and I, you know, reflected uh, on 2020 myself um, on on social media in December and, you know, reflected on the fact that, and I'm sure it happened to many organisations and especially maybe small businesses who are maybe more susceptible to the changes of the pandemic is that, you know, last March and April, you know, we didn't think that we could survive, right? Many bookings were cancelled from one day to the next and, you know, did we pivot? Maybe not as many, as much as other organisations. It's simply we just started delivering many of our workshops and coaching and all these different things online, which has went really well. But what I shared in the post on LinkedIn in December was that it actually turned out to be the most successful year since we were formed in 2007. And I'm very fortunate that that was the case and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and, you know, we started the, the new year busy again, but I think the big difference is that it's all just a little bit fragile. I don't know if any other people feel the same way. Uh, and even looking at maybe bookings that we have over the course of a year, we would normally have these spread out quite evenly, um, you know, over the course of the year. Whereas right now, things just come in really last moment and we're often running around and very busy in the coming kind of weeks and months of the year, but then, you know, more medium term kind of time horizon and it all looks a bit empty and a little bit scary, right? But I think I've just learned to live with that ambiguity and live with that uncertainty. And and, and I guess it is the same for many other people. You know, one thing that I did do personally was I, I travelled again, which was fabulous. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Madrid the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was teaching... Uh, executive MBA classes and uh, a lot of sessions. I'm thinking maybe about 250 uh, executive MBA students. So if any of you are listening in um, on this episode, then it was a real pleasure to get to know you either face-to-face in Madrid or virtually. And I think that was another fascinating aspect within IE Business School. There were classes which were hybrid delivery classes and half of the class were there physically face-to-face in Madrid and the other half online and it was just a great experience you know really enjoyed that really enjoyed first of all being face to face and and teaching face to face for the first time in a year Uh, but just having that additional element of half of the class being online and how you involve them in the learning process and you build on a overall you know positive dynamic then that that was a great experience in general there's so many interesting themes that are coming up right now i think that's the other difference Whereas the past few years, there were things that were pretty standard, right, in terms of well-being and how you approach that and how you build that into culture. And now there are so many requests 
on different aspects of well-being. You know, well-being very much front and centre. And I, I think the intention that we've had in this podcast and the whole Chief Wellbeing Officer platform in the last several years is about elevating well-being as a strategic concern. And I think we're, we're getting there. But around that core, there's so many interesting themes that clients are asking us to look at. Uh, you know, we've run workshops on the future of leadership uh, in the past few months, on hybrid working, on working from home, building in rituals. And, and, and it's a really interesting time in terms of thought development. Uh, and I think, you know, I got there last year and I made the proposal to some publishers and we were almost there, but I never quite went ahead with it. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't at the time, but I think I'm probably going to get going with the next book in just the next couple of weeks and hopefully get that out for the summer, but maybe more details on that in a future episode. Um, what else? Yeah, I think the final point I want to come here with is that a lot of this rich learning and diversity of themes that we're discussing within business is also feeding a lot of activity in the startup scene. And for the first time in the last year or two, I've been starting to advise different startups and it is just it's another fantastic experience. And if we also look back, and these were the comments that I made in the introduction to the previous episode with Klaus, if we think back to the previous huge crisis, 2007-8, and the amount of small companies that came out of that but subsequently became huge organisations, then I think the same is going to happen again. And we get so many, uh, as I talk about even with Ronnie, there's a lot of activity right now, particularly in the mental health space. And I think there's going to be a lot in that over the next few years. So, to this episode with Ronnie, as I said, I met him at Uber a couple of years ago and he's been working in L&D with some really uh, cool organisations in the past several years. So we talk on the evolution of L&D and then also how he sees the future of L&D and how well-being can fit in. Um, uh, other interesting things including the topic of friendship at work uh, I always remember a really good conversation we had in Amsterdam around that theme, which, you know, in terms of the context of the pandemic, has also become very important. But the focus here on L'Oreal and looking at, again, a thriving business and the beauty sector, and why is that? Uh, and I think it tells us a lot about who we are as human beings and what we need in our lives and maybe recognising the things that we've missed over the last 12 months. So... Ronnie's looking forward to uh, less restrictions going forward. So am I. Whether we have another decade like the 1920s is open uh, for reflection, but I certainly hope that we get out there and we enjoy just being with other human beings again. Uh, and I think in that respect, a company like L'Oreal and the beauty sector in, in general has a lot to offer for our well-being. So enjoy episode 37. Again, keep well, keep safe, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again. Ciao. Hi, Ronnie. Welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. Where are you right now? Hi, Stephen. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm in, uh, in my house now uh, near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Great. And it's Friday afternoon. Have you had a good week? How's it been going? Yeah, the week has been uh, been uh, been pretty pretty good. Uh, went by really fast, so that means that uh, we had a lot of a uh, lot of great things to uh, to work on, and uh, we definitely didn't feel uh, feel bored this week again. It's all <sighs> exciting stuff. Uh, unfortunately, still working from home, so didn't meet uh, 
too many people face to face. But uh, but other than that, pretty uh, pretty good week so far. Good to hear. It's interesting that whole topic of boredom, right? You know, I've been talking to some people recently, and 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 that's kind of in a way one of the effects of the pandemic, right? Because we, we miss a little bit of the variety of life that that we had before, and I think even that theme of just variety and enjoying life is absolutely going to come out in our discussion because of of where you work right now so it's, it's interesting and i'm glad to hear that that um that you had a fun week at least right and and getting yeah. to to your job you know the, the first flush of a new job and i guess initial impressions can tell us a lot so it's good to hear that you know you've had a good and rewarding week um how, how have you found onboarding in a new large company in the middle of the pandemic yeah, it's uh, it, that 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 in itself has been very interesting indeed um, to 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 onboard in a large company. I think that you know uh, being forced to work from home, uh, like is the case for 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 many of us, if not most of us, uh, is already a challenge. Um, all those personal connections that you used to have, uh, seeing each other face to face, you know, spontaneous uh, conversations that you might have by walking in the corridor or meeting each other in the in, for lunch or or at a coffee machine. Uh, are all gone actually, so that that's that spontaneous uh, spontaneous uh, uh, conversations are 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 a lot less, of course. Um, but on top of that, if you then want to 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 onboard um, in a large company with uh, with, a, with which is which has a complex ecosystem, and trying to 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 navigate, trying to get get to know everyone, uh, build up your network, build up those personal relationships is uh, is, is is indeed a lot harder. Um, it's not that it's not doable, and I think that uh, luckily we're all in the same situation. It would be worse if, if it was just me um, working through Zoom or through Teams. Um, but it is uh, it is it has been more challenging than in the other companies where I had the pleasure of, of onboarding face to face and and immediately feeling what it's like and 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 really absorbing the the culture and and, and feeling and seeing people around you. Um, in this case as well, when meeting people, it's all online and and. I often make the joke that I, I don't know what people look like uh, from the shoulders down or from the neck down. Um, you don't even know when you meet people uh, how tall they would be uh, in the same room, what is the energy like, etc. So, so it's it's uh, it's something to look forward to. I think that uh, that it, it's going in the right direction. So I'm hoping pretty soon that I can uh, meet most of my uh, my colleagues uh, in, yeah. in real life. No, that's really interesting, and you know that internal networking piece is is so important right i mean we you often talk about networking uh on an external level but i think you know when you're in an organization that internal networking is even more important and i guess the other thing for you you know being in a leadership position where you have a team that you're trying to direct you know leadership is more difficult during the pandemic right because we need visibility part of it is building up those relationships getting a feel for the culture so how have you felt in terms of just your leadership activity and trying to just direct the L&D function in, in beauty tech? How, any comments there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, indeed. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, very fortunate that, uh, that my manager um, has been at, uh, at L'Oreal for, for quite a few years already. So nearing 30 years of, uh, of L'Oreal experience, which I can pull from because that helps me indeed uh, to direct the team. Uh, to, to provide me a little bit more context, uh, background as well, so that I know where people are coming from in case of, of, of any questions, any challenges that we're facing. As we are building this uh, this team, and the, the beauty tech as, as such, the learning and change team that I'm part of at this moment is uh, is pretty new. 
um, we, we we established it uh, only a couple of months ago. So so I feel like we're all in the same boat building this together, which which helps a lot. But like I said, having having a few people on the team, including my own manager, who provide more context and 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 more uh, um, yeah background on on the L'Oreal culture and, and and where things are coming from, is very helpful. Um, the other thing is is as well having having quite a few uh, great experts on the team as well that uh, don't need that much direction um, at the moment. Uh, uh, but but can help me to onboard as well is, is is also great. So being open to that, asking them as well for some advice so that I can help to remove some of those roadblocks and 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 steer us in in one direction, align us across uh, across the globe is uh, is therefore a, a bit easier than uh, than if they would not be in place. Yeah, no, that's good to hear because I mean I guess in many ways the pandemic has changed the style of working for many people and and changes that I guess were already in in motion. But the whole issue of just self-management and empowerment and all these different things. And, and I think that's an interesting point that, that your team can can help you also. It's, it's not just that you have all the answers and you're leading them, but in some respects, you know, if they have more experience, then they can direct you a little bit. And, and that's the, the foundations of trust that I think can build high-performing teams as well, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and you're not you know you're you're used to change um, you know you've worked for a lot of really cool organisations um, and we first met when you were at Uber can can you just let us know a little bit more about your journey the past several years in L and D mostly right but some of the experiences yeah. that you've had yeah yeah I was uh, like you say I'm, I'm I'm I feel very fortunate actually to uh, to have the the opportunity in over the past several years to work in industries. I started actually my career in the in the, in the sporting goods industry uh, at Nike, um, at the EMEA headquarters uh, here close by where I live, um, and that's where I first uh, first got uh, development. I was part of the the team that was putting the first L and D team for uh, for EMEA at Nike together, um, and then I moved on to uh, to companies such as Heineke, which is completely different industry, um, at a global position uh, also here in Amsterdam. And I soon found myself uh, a few years later uh, in in the tech industry, and that's uh, that's indeed where we met uh, at Uber, uh, which was an EMEA-based um, uh, position as well, but working very closely with uh, with our global teams, uh, and 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 uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic to to learn from the different the different angles, the different industries, the different cultures that we have, the different approaches to learning, even where some companies have more of a traditional way uh, of learning versus where we see that that the trend is more like hey self-directed uh, online learning as well as, as and, and and virtual classrooms of course uh, the, thanks to the, the the pandemic learning by doing encouraging people really to take uh, learning into their own hands drive their own growth and going out there and and, and we call it test and learn actually it's uh, it's sometimes you fail but but you learn from that as well so so I see a, a lot of the the trend going into that direction as well and and there's no different uh, to the place where I work now. Yeah. No, it's interesting just listening to your comments on how learning, the learning function has evolved within organizations. And, you know, even some of my own work in well-being, I just fully realized, and I didn't at the beginning when looking at well-being, that learning is a huge part of well-being, of course. And even if you think I was delivering a course this week and we were looking at some of the roots of um you know, asking what is a good life. And even if you go back to Aristotle and kind of real, you know, philosophers and in, in those days, then then learning was a was a huge part of what they defined as a happy life, right? So and and I've been sold on that for several years. Even my co-author and chief well-being officer 
Rory Simpson being the chief learning officer of Telefonica. So that really put me into that line. But it's really interesting hearing your comments there. The, the other thing that popped out is just the power of Amsterdam, right? I mean, the amount of great companies that have headquarters in Amsterdam. And I always have a, a lot of fun when I go there. But um, And then even after Brexit as well, right, that, that a lot of other companies are now kind of setting up for European headquarters in Amsterdam. But that's going to be a big change for you, no? I mean, you're going to be working in Amsterdam in the short term, but maybe Paris is going to pull you uh, pull you there in the, in the next few years. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, um, as soon as the borders are opening, uh, you will find me in the train direction, uh, direction Paris. Um, so, uh, so we, we we know that that a portion of my uh, of my time I will be spending in Paris, and indeed, uh, who knows, in a year, two years from now, that uh, that I will be find myself moving to Paris as well, um, which I think is another great city. Uh, luckily, uh, not too far away from uh, from friends and family here in Amsterdam, because it's just a, a three or three and a half hour train ride. Um, but that's that's one of the great opportunities, and why it's so great to work for for a large international company that provides you with these opportunities as well. And knowing that uh, uh, adds the quality of life as well. Knowing that these opportunities are out there, that you can grasp them, um, and and that and, and that is even even um, encouraged for you to do that as well and to look for those opportunities. So uh, so fortunate uh, to look forward to that. So uh, like I said, as soon as the borders are opened, uh, you will find me with my train ticket in my hand, uh, direction uh, direction Paris. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to getting moving again, and even yeah. And I think even value, you know, train journeys especially, right? They just have, I think, a special, I don't know, for many people, a kind of more romantic notion of travel, let's say. And and, and that just sounds great. Commuting Amsterdam to Paris in the train, that just sounds wonderful. But you know, good luck yeah. with that. I, I always remember when some we had some really great discussions in Uber. And I always remember one thing that you said to me, and I was even going to base a whole theme in the podcast on it. And, th- and this one of Thriving Business came up first. But you highlighted to me that friendships at work are very important, but yeah. we need to be careful as well because often, and what you were seeing at that time in Uber is that you've got a lot of young talent coming in from other countries. They were investing all of their social relationships in the people that they were working with so that they were going home at night or they were going for a beer at the weekend and it was the same people and that created that intensity and there was never that full disconnection from work, right? So, and, and it really made me think in that complexity of um, of friendships at work. Any other further thoughts on that that you'd like to share right now? Yeah, I think uh, I, I remember that uh, that conversation as well. I, I really enjoyed it to 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 exchange some some of our thoughts on that. And uh, and indeed, like you're saying, I think that uh, having friends at work is is something that is really important. Um, and some studies even have shown that when you got good close friendships at work, that the the overall engagement of your employees goes up. Uh, it even has a positive uh, impact on uh, on performance as well. Um, but that is as long as it doesn't doesn't dip uh, uh, in, into the wrong way that we don't uh, don't overdo it as well. Because like you rightfully say, um, how how can you disconnect if it's always the same people that you that you work very closely with that you become friends with? If those are always the same people as well that you that you consider to 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 hang out with over weekends, go on holidays with, etc. That means that your social network actually becomes completely centered around uh, around work where it is whether that's at uber or other any other company as well um also the, the same studies actually that that show the, the the other side the flip side actually of the positive th- things is that what if what if some of those friends and especially at at young companies where you start together the, 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 there's a lot of fun of course uh, there's growth opportunities uh, there might be some pressure that you're going through together which builds you know strong strong relationships as well as you are experiencing certain things 
at the same time and you're, you're, you're helping, helping each other to get through that as well. Um, but what if, what if there's other opportunities for growth and, and, and one, of, one of them becomes a manager? Um, or, uh, you know, and, and, and you both went for that same role. How, what, what will the impact be there on, on the friendship and, and what kind of new tensions will, will, will start to exist there as well? Um, there's even in, that, uh, in, in, in some of the reading that you can do as well, um, we mentioned what if one of them is, a, is an underperformer? So how much do you want to be associated with somebody that is maybe performing a little bit less or maybe has less credibility within the organization? How, how damaging can that be to your own credibility that you have built or that you want to build within the organization and therefore has an impact on your on your own uh, career as well. So, so there's there's always a flip side. So, so yeah, the friendship. I think that it's really important, and 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 you see that companies are putting a lot into that as well um, to build to build some some social uh, events. Uh, you can have Friday afternoon drinks. Uh, there, there's of course team building exercises, etc., which are all great. Um, it's just like when do you go too far in that, and that it might have a negative impact actually on yeah. your uh, overall well-being and, and career. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fascinating subject. And I think just the whole area of social capital that we have missed during the pandemic, you know, um, and I think a lot of the productivity games and, and efficiency of people having that flexibility working from home, it was built on years of that social capital that we had in the office. But then that starts to erode over the course of the year. And then another thought in, in many of the conversations that we've had with clients over the past year is that if we think about, you know, vulnerable groups, then, you know, we might automatically think about, you know, working parents, homeschooling, and that has absolutely been tough, uh, without a doubt. And I experienced that myself for uh, a period of time. But when we started talking to some clients, they were saying it was actually the kind of younger people that were suffering the most because they had so much of their social life and non-working life, you know, tied up with work relationships, and then they didn't see these people anymore. Um, and they missed them, right? So even there were some cases whereby um, young people were, even though they weren't, they couldn't go to the office, they were clubbing together and paying for a co-working space so that they could just be with their friends that they normally saw day to day, and then they worked like that. So it just shows you that you know often our assumptions on vulnerable groups and and the importance of friendships, right? It, it can take us by surprise. So turning our attention firmly to L'Oreal and the theme that we have this quarter of thriving business, the share price has been really strong in the past year. Uh, and in the last episode with Klaus, we talked about how the food sector might have a natural advantage during this time. But beauty might not spring quickly to mind, Ronnie. Why are you guys doing so well? Yeah, I can imagine that this is not a sector would uh, very naturally spring to mind as a sector that would be doing well um, during a pandemic. But I, I think it's because of, uh, of a, few, uh, a few topics that, uh, that our, our new CEO actually has been uh, um, talking about as well. As we are uh, a multifaceted player in the beauty market, um, which goes from serving professional stylists actually in hair saloons, uh, where our company actually was, was born actually out of, uh, now over 100, 110 years ago. But we're also a major FMCG player where we deliver superior quality at, uh, at affordable prices to, 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 to our consumers. Um, but we're also leading in, in, in the luxury where we offer premium products at, and, and experiences um, as well. So, and, and, and we're also maybe, maybe this is what, what many people might not know is that we're also actually a leading company in the dermatological uh, beauty 
um, as well, a beauty sector as well, where we are partnering with uh, with prescribing doctors in, in, in almost every country. And, and what this does for us is actually to allow us to satisfy all consumers and meet them at all price points um, and, and seeing uh, all trends, even, even when we have tough market conditions like we have been experiencing over the past uh, more than a year now, 12 to 13, uh, 13 months now. We also do believe that uh, that science and innovation, um, when, when they come together, we can provide some more superior and safe products for our consumers. And, uh, and on top of that, we actually have a very strong brand portfolio. So including some of the smaller brands who are contributing to our growth as well, uh, might sometimes be more, more local brands as well. And then we also, uh, we also have a model when we, when we roll out global brands to local markets that uh, the local markets actually have the freedom to adopt them to the, to the needs locally as well. So we call, that, uh, we call that freedom within a strategic frame. And then, uh, and I think last but not least as well, L'Oreal is actually a company that has the strength to constantly evolve and anticipate to changes um, and adapt to that. So, so we, have, we have very agile teams who embrace change. And, and, and at times, actually, this sometimes makes us feel like we're working at a startup with the same kind of passion and, and energy throughout the company. So I think this is, this is a few of the, of the reasons why I think that we have been doing so well, even though that we were in a, in a pandemic during the last year as well. No, that's great to know. And I think even in the culture there, that last point, that, that will, of course, have helped you as we talked about, you know, uh, at the start of our conversation about coming in and onboarding at this time when everything is virtual and you don't quite know, you know, uh, what your colleagues look like from the kind of neck down. But if you've got that culture of agility and embracing change, then that, that's going to help absolutely with that. You know, it's interesting, you know, the, the science and innovation part, absolutely too, and I think we often underestimate that the beauty sector has such a heavy R&D and, and scientific base to it, right? And, and it's constantly evolving and constantly innovating. And, and maybe we get to, to zoom in on that a little bit more uh, regarding your, your beauty tech division. I'd love to understand a little bit more of that uh, soon. Yes. Um, and, and what we know from the pandemic is that often when we have constraints, right, we, we start innovating more because it isn't the kind of blue sky, uh, open field that maybe we have or are used to. But often when we're constrained, as Steve Jobs talked about famously with his budget in the early days of Apple, he, he had to be more creative and innovative because of those constraints. So it's really interesting. But the, the thing I want to pull out here in terms of well-being is that, yeah, you you're benefiting from the portfolio of L'Oreal as a huge company in all the different sectors. But I think we can very easily see the importance of all of these different things to our own well-being, right? Even taking just that one example of like hair salons. And I know, you know, from my own experience, but mostly from, you know, my family in the UK where they, they've just opened up again, right? And they've been closed for months. And when we can't get you know, a haircut or we can't go and, and do other aspects of, of a bit of our own kind of personality, right? And that could be different elements of beauty, but, you know, hair certainly, then, then we miss that. And it's such an important part of well-being. So I think um, we often miss these things when, when they're not there. But, you know, it, it's great to know that, that you guys have coped with that so well during this, this turbulent period. You know, it's interesting. I remember I gave a talk a few weeks ago and one of the questions from the audience was, if we're working from home, should we get dressed, right? As if as if we're going to work. And, and I said, you know, absolutely, right? I mean, 
you know, get, you, of course you could just stay in your pajamas all day and yeah. um and, and regardless, you know, you could just have Zoom meetings or virtual meetings with the camera off and, you know, you can be comfortable. And, and even the Guardian newspaper in the UK uh, had a column in the past few months about not working from home, but working from bed. So how can you get, you know, in just this kind of, you know, humorous tone, of course, but, you know, some serious points there. So how can you get away with it, right? You know, you just dress, you're talking about, you just know people from the kind of neck and shoulders up and you just kind of dress and actually underneath you've still got your pyjamas on and stuff. Um, but, you know, what I said in my answer was that it isn't just the fact of getting dressed and even if no one is going to see you, it doesn't matter because it's a it's a ritual, right? It's a ritual about just you know, being prepared for, for the day. And, and I think we miss that, right? And I, and I think a lot of the last 12 months, there's been a lot of, and I can see the logic in this, a lot of the focus on kind of leisure wear and being comfortable, you know, and even personally, it's the first time that I've ever gave my workshops and keynote speeches wearing my slippers, right? And I could never have imagined that that would have been the case. So you need to be comfortable, but I just think there's a real ritual in getting dressed, in fixing your hair, in putting on makeup, and I uh, I don't wear makeup, or putting on lipstick. And, and I even remember a senior executive in a, a UK company talked about just that was kind of her armor. So she was a, a woman in a really senior leadership position. And what she did when she felt under pressure or, or getting ready to go into a high pressure presentation or meeting is that she would go and get ready, take a breath, and then put her lipstick on, and that, and that helped her, right? So I think there's a lot of uh, space in, in recognising that, you know, beauty and personal care and, and are important rituals that make us feel well. And anyway, that's just my viewing on why, you know, L'Oreal is still having a very strong um, period during the pandemic and probably even, you know, stronger going into the future. Absolutely, and I, and I can totally relate to uh, to to what you what you mentioned about the rituals as well. I think that um, I'm working from home now for uh, for over a year now, actually, because we're already the end of March. But I really feel that my day has started, and that I'm that I'm going to work between quotation marks um, from the moment I I had showered, I had my breakfast, and I, I put my shirt on, and then I go and sit behind my laptop. And that's when when my day really starts, my working day. And that's that's the same ritual as what I had when I was going to the office. The only difference now is instead of having that train ride or car drive to towards the office, I'm walking up the stairs to come into my to my home office now. But all the rest of those rituals really are, are the start of my working day. Yeah, and we need them, right? Because I mean, the temptation yeah. for a lot of people. And, and look, let's not you know be too hard on ourselves. Now and again, we can sleep in if we're late for a meeting and then drop straight out of bed and go into the first virtual meeting. But you know, I think, yeah, I think, I think we need that, that setup. And even talking about maybe the only thing that is different is that you don't have the train ride or, or whatever, then, you know, even other people have been doing these kind of virtual commutes, right. Or the fake commute, because the commute wasn't just getting us from home to office. It was transitioning us on a, on a mental level to be ready for work. Right. So you know, you could walk around the block or even other cases that I've read recently is about even maintaining the kind of half hour bike ride <laughs> that people did before, right? And and still taking that time. So I think there's a lot in this and it, and it fits very well with the kind of beauty sector and, and L'Oreal. So looking to the future, I, I think this is a fascinating time. And I was reading in the Financial Times a few weeks ago that your CEO had predicted a fiesta of makeup and fragrance. Uh, as we emerge from the confines of the pandemic, similar 
to the 1920s. So, of course, it wasn't the only factor, but we were coming out of the Spanish uh, flu pandemic, and then it was after that that we had this decade of excess and exuberance and, and, and many different factors in that. But maybe we are at the dawn also of another kind of roaring 20s, which would be fantastic, I think. And, and I think we all miss, you know, dressing up and going out. And, and even, you know, my wife has even talked about simply keen to wear lipstick again in, in a more regular basis rather than worrying about putting her mask over, over the top. But it's such a huge part of our well-being, right? I mean, are we, are we, are we going for another roaring 20s, Ronnie? What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's needless to say that, uh, that COVID has an impact uh, on, on, on beauty and, and, and our markets, like, like for most companies, uh, I guess. Um, like you say, with the social distancing of masks, which has an impact on, on, on makeup and the use of it, uh, the lockdowns and the stores and saloons being, salons being closed to, uh, is not helping the beauty industry either. But, uh, but we are confident that, uh, that markets will, will recover after COVID. And we have seen uh, early signs of that already in China, where all of our categories are, are returning back to normal. And, and we see some, some growth there again as well. And, and indeed, uh, like the roaring 20s, we expected big beauty fiesta like our ceo said or a, or a big beauty party once the pandemic is over and uh, and and i believe that as the number one beauty company in the world we will we will cater for that as well and and what we have seen actually is that throughout history uh, that beauty is an important part of people's lives and 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 having an, an impact indeed on on well-being and 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 this will continue to grow in the in the foreseeable future and the decades to come so we will definitely definitely play into that What's the energy? I know it's hard to kind of pick up on this, but with your with your colleagues and, of course, you know many teams around the world have had it difficult in the past twelve months. But do you feel that extra energy within an org- organization like L'Oreal? Because it just seems that you know, and from your previous comments, just right right there, it just seems that what you're doing has such an important role to play as we emerge back into life right because it's a celebration of life and a company like l'oreal i I can see is just it just enables that celebration of life so i don't know are you feeling anything in your teams or the organization as a whole that they feel that they have a mission to help us get into life a little bit more again or what what do you think yeah i think i think it's a it's a very interesting question and 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 we talk we talk a little bit about the 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 epic that uh, that companies uh, such as L'Oreal can bring, where whereby we combine, like we discussed before as well, where we combine actually the science and the technology together to to provide these experiences and and this this feel good and overall well being to to our consumers as well, and that's that's exactly where we want to be. So so we definitely see a role for us to play into that, and 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 that's that's where our energy is around, and and where we believe in in, in our mission that we have uh, to be and 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 to remain the number one beauty beauty company in the world. I think that t- takes us perfectly into understanding a little bit more about beauty tech. So you've talked about the importance of, you know, science and technology, a lot of the research that that you do. And, and I have a feeling also, and, and there's been different commentary on this in the past several months, but as we emerge into this post-pandemic world, you know, part of the roaring 20s could be defined by, you know, new trends, uh, new uh, kind of forms of of self expression, right? New new products and 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 fashions and all these different things, and and that's part of it. It's not just 
a huge party with lots of booze, which is maybe <laughs> an important element, but not all of it, right? Um, but, you know, a lot of these things are going to be in the mix. So for Beauty Tech, can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys do and if you have any examples of innovations that you're working on that you're able to share with us today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, um, for, for what I've learned uh, from, from my time at L'Oreal so far is that that for over 100 years now that that L'Oreal has always been at the, at the forefront and, and shaping of what would become the future of the of the beauty industries. And there's, there's many examples of that from, from the first uh, harmless uh, permanent hair color back in, in, in the early 1900s to, to, to a lot of innovations that have been, uh, been, been created since then, of course. And, and it's therefore also our belief that the future of beauty will be shaped by the, by the junction and, 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 and the powers of before of science and technology coming together and, and it, it, it doesn't just stay with words. It's, it's really seen in our actions as well as, as the company has decided to bring these two experiences actually closer together under the leadership of one person, our uh, deputy CEO, um, whereby that we, that we bring together actually our demonstrated cutting edge uh, uh, scientific knowledge, but also our, our game-changing technologies that, uh, that we have. And we do have a few of that um, with, with some products that we have that are actually available in the markets today where it helps consumers to, to identify their skin priorities uh, and, and, and help them to define personalized routines. Um, and this is, this is done by uploading their selfie, uh, providing some basic information, and then the, the, the algorithm then will, will help with, with, uh, with providing you with all of the right uh, information that you need for your, for your skin routines as well. And then there's other, other examples as well whereby uh, we have some products out there that perform like a like a mini skincare uh, laboratory, actually, uh, and whereby it combines your personalized formulation um, with some almost like factory grade manufacturing, and that that gives you again that personalized serum, uh, which is which is designed specifically to address your your unique skin uh, uh, consumer. So so and it's more and more in, into that uh, uh, area that you will see it uh, evolve, and that's that's exactly where beauty tech is, and why we want to want to be the number one beauty tech company in the world as well. And these are just two two examples of things that are actually already existing uh, today in the market, but as a result of bringing this uh, science and technology together. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I, and I think if we think just of the, the theme of thriving business and regardless of the sector, there's that accelerated innovation, which is just so important for a successful business in the longer term, right? So just to hear some of those examples on on that rate of innovation and new ideas which then you know is, is maybe responding to trends is maybe people change their kind of their outlook on life as we come out of the pandemic uh, but also being ahead of the curve no it's, it's really fascinating and, and looking at that same theme but with the lens of l d just to, as, a, as a kind of closing question ronnie what, what do you think in that space so you've worked in l d as we've talked about for a long time with many leading organizations. You've seen it from a, a number of different angles, but of course that's something else that is going to change markedly, you know, I, I think in the coming years. So what, what's your view on that? Innovations and change within L&D and, and where does well-being fit into that mix? Any, any views there? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, and indeed we've seen uh, over the over the past year again uh, an acceleration in, in in some areas as well. And 
And with the trends that we see in innovation and new technologies becoming available and, and then this being accelerated by the pandemic, I think that, uh, that there's definitely a need for up and up and reskilling of um, not only for today, but also to, to be ready for the future and, 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 and jobs to come actually. So we need to, we need to be uh, as learning and development, we can, we can play, uh, play an important role into, in that, of course. And um, yeah, we also hear more and more companies embracing the new ways of working um, but that also has an impact on the way that, that we manage teams, uh, that we collaborate. How do you build trust? Uh, how do you provide a sense of belonging, of well-being? And also in all of these teams, uh, learning and development can play a, a major role, actually. And then, and then last but not least, uh, also the impact that it, it all has actually on the way that we deliver our learning has rapidly evolved as well to more remote and online, as you can imagine. Um, which I don't think will go away anymore. I mean, it was already there, but it but it, it really took it took an important uh, important part uh, at this moment. So the big benefit here of this is is the reach that we have, the scalability of our programs. Um, we can have even more diverse audiences coming together from different regions and zones across the world, uh, all uh, working together, uh, learning with and from each other. Uh, which which is a big benefit, uh, but there's also some 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 cons there as well. So I think finding that right balance. In, in your delivery method around each of the, the different topics that uh, that I just mentioned um, is, is definitely going to be very important. But that said, uh, again, I can't wait uh, to meet people face to face again during our workshops as well and and uh, and, and finding out uh, how it feels, how what the energy is again in the room. I think that many people with me are looking forward to that as well. Uh, but I don't think that uh, that the other technologies and, and ways of delivery that that will uh, will go away, but but will take a, an important part. Ronnie, thanks so much for your time and, and your insights today and wishing you the very best of luck in, in the new job. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You too.